Hello, hola, bonjour, privet, Augustie Welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast, the show that helps you build a winning mindset for learning languages. I'm James from Lingua Materna, and I'm delighted to have you on board for another episode of the podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with another very exciting guest, Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages. I'm sure many of you will already be familiar with Lindsay. She runs one of the best language blogs on the internet over at lindsaydoeslanguages.com, and she's also very active across social media. We had a great chat about finding your passion when learning a language, how you can use social media to boost your learning, and the benefits of self-study methods. But before we get started, I just want to remind you that you can find more information about Lindsay's work and everything we talk about in this episode by reading the show notes for this episode at linguamaterna.com forward slash Lindsay Does Languages. And if you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you could leave an honest review on iTunes. These reviews are invaluable feedback for me, and they also allow us to reach a much larger audience with the podcast. Okay, so let's get started. Without further ado, here's my interview with Lindsay Williams of Lindsay Does Languages. Okay, so I'm delighted to welcome my guest for today's podcast, Lindsay from Lindsay Does Languages. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. How are you, James? I'm great, thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. More than welcome. De nada. <laughs> great. <laughs> so, uh, Lindsay, to get started, I mean, most of the listeners, I'm sure, will already have heard of you and they'll all be, already be reading your website and following you on Facebook. But just for anybody who might not know you, who is Lindsay and what got you into doing languages in the first place? Um, my name is, is Lindsay and I live in the UK. I've pretty much always lived here. Um, my first kind of exposure to other languages, my native language being English, my first exposure to foreign languages was French in primary school. And I went to a sort of extracurricular after school French club, you know, that my mum said, Oh, you should do this, it'll be be good. So I just went. And I kept going because they'd give us croissants and orange juice at the end of each half term, <laughs> which was fun. Um, and that was really it until, you know, and, and with the, the school that I went to after that, the secondary school, it was just French that you just kept going on with. And then when I was in year nine, so about age 13, 14, um, Shakira sort of appeared into the English speaking world, if you like. Mm -hmm. And I had her album laundry service and there were a few songs in Spanish. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I want to translate them. I bet I could, you know, because I'm all right at French. So maybe this is maybe I can do this thing. So uh, I got a little Spanish dictionary and I, I, I even actually got the old Shakira album before that that was completely in Spanish. And I would sit there with the lyrics book. I remember it was my birthday. I was I was sitting there with the, the lyrics book um, to Donde Están Los Ladrones and and this small, only like a small sort of gem pocket dictionary you know so I'm looking up all these random verb conjugations and I'm like I can't find this word in the dictionary oh can't find oh no that's not there you know not the best place to start but it was it was it was something that I enjoyed and it kind of gave me a passion for 
for Spanish straight away that I'd never, never really found up to that point with French at least. Mm. And so then I decided I wanted to study Spanish um, at GCSE and to go on to do that at my school, they said, well, you have to keep on with French to prove that you can do languages. I was like, okay. nah, okay, small price to pay because I really want to do Spanish. And so I did. And I kind of kept up both ever since. And then when I was, um, I think when I was probably about 17, I, I went to I went to a different place to study beyond GCSE. So it would be called sixth form here in the UK, kind of mm -hmm. those exams you do before university. Um, I had to go to a different school for that because because of Spanish again, Spanish kind of changed my whole path. Uh, and there were only two options. I either went to Northampton College, which was a good hour plus away on the bus there and back every day. So two hours at least, um, which was just not sounding too appealing. Oh, I went to this school that turned out when we went for the open evening to be a specialist language college. Wow. So everything kind of fell into place from there. And they had a Japanese teacher that would come in. They had language days where you'd get to go off and, um, you know, do a whole language for the day. And all of that stuff really kind of helped to just grow this idea that, oh, actually, you know, I, I can do other languages. And I had a one of my Spanish teachers there who said that, oh, yeah, you know, you guys are so good at Spanish. You know, you could go to Italy for a year and you'd be easily pick up the language. No problem. Portugal. Yeah, no worries. You could do it. And I'm thinking, hmm, this is curious. This is interesting. And from there, I think things really snowballed into just learning loads and loads of languages on my own. And I did my degree with the Open University, which was sort of part-time distance learning. So lots of mm -hmm. self-study on, on that side of things. Um, but while I was studying for my degree, that's when Lindsay Does Languages really came about. Mm -hmm. And uh, initially as private language tuition, in, you know, in real life, if you like, face-to-face. -face. And then it sort of evolved and it, it changed to become an online business. And now really what I'm aiming to do is to inspire um, independent language learners and online language teachers to, to really succeed and to go further when you're doing it solo. Because it's not always easy when you're on your own. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And I think a lot of our listeners will feel that too, you know, because many of them will have studied in in academic situations or with teachers but also we'll, i'm sure we'll have listeners who have studied in a self-study capacity too and they'll understand the challenges that that brings so there was just a couple of things that really kind of jumped out at me from from your story and the first one was this idea of developing a passion for the language you're learning um mm. you know right from the beginning and and you know when it's fun and enjoyable and you have a passion for it how that makes you want to study it more in your case that you wanted to study Spanish so much that you were willing to take on French as well even though it wasn't maybe your passion at that point point. Mm. and the other thing that really jumped out at me was the attitude that you talked about of your teachers and um, you know encouraging you and saying you know well now that you're learning Spanish you know if you went to Portugal or if you went to Italy you'd be able to pick up the language pretty quickly and, and communicate with people and it just kind of, you know, points out to me again, the importance of having, you know, people around you, whether it's a teacher or whether it's other people who you're learning the language with, who are, you know, really positive and you're, you're working together to motivate each other. Mm, both of those things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's interesting with the passion because what happened with Spanish, I think for me is quite unusual in the sense that Normally, I'm drawn to a language. I'm kind of like, ooh, curious. Let's open this language book on the shelf. And then I'll, I'll sort of dabble a little bit. I'll learn a bit. And then 
I'll want to learn more and then I'll sort of find something I'm passionate about later on. That that seems to be how things normally happen for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas what happened with Spanish, the idea of like, you know, really wanting to translate Shakira songs first and then thinking, oh, well, I need to know Spanish to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the other way around, which is quite interesting. And I think either way, you know, whether you already have something that you're really passionate about in that language, something that you're just in love with, it could be music, it could be food, it could be just traveling to that country, whatever it is, you know, if you've got something that's going to stand as a huge motivation to, to keep going, especially when, you know, things get a bit tough. And like the other thing, and it still fits in terms of motivation, having people around you. I was very lucky. I had some really inspiring teachers along the way, some maybe not so much, um, <laughs> but, but most of them, I think, have really fond memories of of my language teachers in particular. And I think that, yeah, you know, it, it definitely does help to to keep going. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's interesting when you talk about the way you develop the passion for the language, whether that's something at the beginning that inspires you to learn the language or something later on. But I think one thing that I've certainly found to be the case, and I think you probably agree with based on what you just said, was the more you know of the language, the more you can start to really appreciate those cultural things too. You can start to enjoy them on on a a whole other level as well. And it just makes it even more enjoyable. And I think that's that's why perhaps why it often comes later for me. That idea of, you know, language it comes first. Language is my passion to begin with. So I'll, I'll, uh, for example, Korean. I was learning Korean last year and I didn't know much about Korea. I knew there was a North Korea and a South Korea and Gangnam Style. That was pretty much it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, very limited knowledge. But kind of through learning the language, I then learned about the place. I found a K-drama that I loved. I, w- I wasn't able to quite find like a second one that I was as into, but I must have got lucky the first time. And so, you know, I then had a thing to latch onto that I could connect with and think, oh, yeah, well, I'm learning Korean because Boys Over Flowers. Woo, it's so good. And now the same thing's happened um, in Indonesian. I'm studying at the moment while, when we're recording this that similar thing has happened of I, I started studying it purely because I had the book. Um, I had the, the kit there ready and I, I want to travel there and spend quite a bit of time in that region. So I thought, you know, I need to study this language. And then in, in searching for stuff about it, I think what happened was I searched for Indonesian on YouTube, right? Pretty basic, <laughs> pretty basic starting point, Indonesian. And in the, you know, in the sort of drop down search menu that comes up where Google tries to predict what you're going to say, it said Indonesian Idol. And I was like, huh, this will be fun. You know, like Pop Idol, X Factor. Mm-hmm. This will be fun. I'll understand the format. I'll have an idea of what's going on. And it turns out there's currently an, a series of Indonesian Idol Junior going on. So every week they're uploading these new performances and then the results. So I get to quite, I'm quite enjoying that now. I've got this kind of regular content coming through and I don't understand everything that's going on, but it's given me um like I say, something to latch onto, I think, is the best way to describe it. That's almost almost like a crutch of, of enjoyment rather than yeah. a crutch of, oh, it's a chore, I need to do this study. You know, it's actually, no, I'm watching Indonesian Idol and I'm still learning. It's still fun and I'm still studying at the same time. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love the idea, too, that you're able to find, you know, a video like that where the format of the show and what's going on is, is somewhat familiar because we have so many of those kind of shows in the English speaking world as well. So it just gives you something extra to kind of, some extra context to help you, I guess, when you're, when you're trying to understand what's being said too, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if I had found maybe like a radio show, for example, probably wouldn't have a clue what was going on. Probably wouldn't be able to get us into it at this point in my in my learning. I'm still very much a beginner. Um, but you know, so any, anything visual, I think, is great because you, like you say, you do have that context, and especially anything that's visual but also similar to something that you know already, like Indonesian Idol, like. I don't know, what's another popular TV show? Come dine with me. <laughs> I know yeah. when I've been in a hotel rooms across Europe and you sort of stumble through the channels, you're like, whoa, come dine with me in German? This is crazy. Oh my goodness, deal or no deals on in Italian on the other channel. What do I watch? <laughs> How do no, I choose? Absolutely. I, I think, yeah, it, it's it's one of the, I remember as kids, we used to do that when we go on holidays to Europe, on these family holidays to Europe. And that was one of the, the first things we do when we'd arrive at, at the place we were staying was turn on the TV me and my brothers and we'd be flicking through yeah. the channels and you're looking for yeah the shows you recognize but they're either in a different language it's like the italian version or it's just dubbed in that language yeah and, uh, and like cartoons cartoons and kid shows can be another great place where definitely. you sort of find that oh spongebob but wait a minute not as i know it <laughs> <laughs> we have that one too in ireland actually i grew up in 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 ireland and uh, we have a channel in ireland that's only irish and they used mm. to get cartoons for some reason they used to get and they used to dub them in Irish so Spongebob was one of the big ones Spongebob was on constantly in Irish wow and, uh, it was so funny because you know just the way they translated things was, was very funny to see even at one stage late at night they used to have South Park in Irish which is quite surreal <laughs> that is very funny wow but, uh, there you go it, ju it just shows you you know if you if you really look for for video materials and the kind of things you're interested in there, there's pretty much something for anyone in nearly any language you could want absolutely you know one of the things that has always really struck me about your website Lindsay is the energy that's there you know there's lots of vibrant colors you're very passionate about the languages you're learning and about helping people about helping them to to learn the languages better or to help teachers to find mm. students and to teach the languages better um, so in that sense I'm, I'm curious what are some of the other ways that you you look at to make language learning fun oh good question oh we've talked about a lot of fun stuff already I don't, I don't know what, where where to go from here I mean I think it's just about like it's kind of a great point leading on from what we've discussed in terms of you know Indonesian Idol in in Indonesian and Spongebob mm -hmm. in Irish that idea of having something relatable, I think, is really key. Mm -hmm. And whether I'm teaching, you know, students myself, whether I'm kind of sharing with other teachers how they can teach, whether I'm teaching um, students to, to, to sort of self-study, mm -hmm. one thing I try and get across is that idea of make it relatable to you, make it personal. This, this whole journey needs to be personal. You know, if you've got... Um, a class of 30 children, for example, it's a lot more difficult. But if you're teaching one on one, there's no reason why you can't kind of say to your students, hey, what, what do you like? What, what's your favorite TV show? You know, what books are you reading right now? And then kind of cater your lessons to them on in that in that way. I mean, I have a Spanish student who loves, loves, loves Doctor Who. So every now and then, you know, not every lesson because it would get kind of tedious and there's mm -hmm. still grammar to be done. We're studying for exams here. But um, every now and then we'll go through and we'll, we'll watch, I'll find like a clip on YouTube of Doctor Who in Spanish or an article, you know, a review of a recent episode that's mm -hmm. been written in Spanish. And we'll, we'll kind of use that as a stimulus for the lesson so that we're still learning, but it's not quite the textbook. Anna likes to go to the cinema. Mm -hmm. Mark enjoys fishing. It's, you know, it's not that 
kind of repetitiveness over and over again that you can get from plenty of textbooks um but i think that is is key that idea of just making it personal you know what what do you like in english and then transfer that or in, in your native language and transfer that across mm-hmm. i mean something that comes to mind as well here is um the idea of if you don't enjoy something in your native language don't try and force yourself to do it in another language mm. for example i'm not a huge fan of golf just mm-hmm. something random off the top of my head i don't have anything <laughs> against golf but it's just the first thing that came to mind for some reason you know i'm not a huge fan of golf so i wouldn't spend too much time in fact any time trying to watch an episode of a TV show talk about golf or trying to read an article that someone's written in Spanish about golf because that wouldn't interest me in English. So why should I expect it to be of interest in, in another language? And I think that's key. Think about what you love first mm-hmm. and use the language later. Because the, the beauty of language learning, something that I think if you enjoy other subjects is perhaps harder to, to, to find. Language learning isn't just those you know, Anna likes to go to the cinema. Mark likes to go fishing. It's not just that. Mm-hmm. You you have so much to draw from. You have literally a whole other culture's worth of um, material that you can pull from. So whatever you're interested in, you can cater language learning to that. And I think that's something quite unique about languages and language learning and something that needs to be exploited, I think, in, in that sense. Yeah, certainly. And, and I think if you're you know, using things that you actually enjoy doing as materials to work with, you know, you're actually going to be more focused in your learning too because you're going to learn vocabulary that you're more likely to actually use in a real-life setting, I, w- I would think. You know, if you don't like, let's say, golf, for example. I don't know about you. I don't, I'm not a big fan of golf either. I probably couldn't have a good conversation about golf in English. I don't know the terms. I don't exactly. know much about the sport. So. Why would I want to do that in another language? You know, it's just not useful to me. Whereas if you're focused on using things that you enjoy or doing things that you enjoy doing, what you're going to learn is stuff that's actually useful to you in a real life setting as well. Yeah. And I mean, of course, the difficulty then comes if you're studying kind of more formally and you've got exams or you've got a set textbook mm-hmm. that does have, for example, we'll stick with golf, poor old golf, <laughs> <laughs> getting a real good bashing today. Yeah. Um, we'll stick with that as an example. You know, let's say your textbook that you have to study for school or for college, university, wherever. Let's say that has a huge section about golf in Spain or the situation of golf courses in Spanish-speaking countries. And you have to read that, you have to answer questions. Maybe that's even the topic of an assignment you have to do. Mm-hmm. Then in that case, you just have to buckle up and get it done. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, when you are in control, and this is, again, the, the beauty of, of self-study, when you're in control, you can find what you want to use to learn. Absolutely, yeah. And you can do different resources too. So you can have the combination of text, video and and something else which I think you're really bringing attention to lately uh, which I think is really fascinating which is social media Mm. Um, because it feels like it's maybe an untapped uh, resource for language learning and um, I have to say reading your your recent posts about it and seeing how you use social media is uh, is fascinating first of all I suppose to start on that note in your opinion what is it that makes social media so useful for learning a language? Ah, well, 
I think I think I just like to say first. I think social media often gets a bit of a bad bad rep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> especially at the moment, you know, with sort of recent political events, everyone thinks, oh, it's social media's mm. fault, fake news on Facebook and echo chambers and all of this. Yeah. And of course, you know, I'm not I'm not denying that. But I think that these tools, you know, of social media, of the tool, the tool of Facebook, the tool of Twitter, Instagram, etc. We've been given these tools for better or for worse. And we are going to be the ones to shape these tools into how they're used in the future and we mm-hmm. we are as the users we're in we you know it may feel like we're not in control but we do have the power to shape how we use them if we choose sure. to use them um and so i think that's something really important to mention but um sorry what was what was your actual question i side sidetracked slightly <laughs> um I, I bet that you know why is it useful for for learning a language for learning a language so so the reasons that i think it's really crucial for language learning in particular is that you know, there's something crazy. It's like 7,000 tweets per second or something. Crazy, wow. crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. There's so much content being created um, on social media platforms and not by an academic who decides what goes into a textbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but that's not who's creating social media content. But it's being created by people, people who use the language every day of their lives, people who are perhaps learning language like you, people who teach the language, people who use the language for, you know, news or whatever it is. You've got this content in the most current setting, you know, 7,000 tweets a second. Of course, that's not 7,000 tweets a second in the language you're learning, but Mm -hmm. it gives you an idea of just how much is there. And you can then narrow that down. So you can go on, we'll stick with Twitter as an example for now. You can go onto Twitter. You can, you know, follow accounts that tweet in that language. You can go to the advanced search and search just by tweets written in Spanish containing this word. And you can really narrow things down and kind of, you know, it, it feels very much just like, there's almost too much, but you're in control of how you spend your time there. And you can really kind of twist it to your advantage um, and, and, and kind of use, as I say, the most current example of also free. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a brilliant free tool. You, you don't have to pay to use Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest, Snapchat, all of these things. You don't have to pay to use them. Mm-hmm. Um at least not financially um so so yeah i think there's there's a real benefit to be had there and it's as you say i think it's just kind of beginning beginning to beginning to begun is what i was going to say but that's not correct english it's just beginning to be tapped into i think as you say yeah certainly i mean and and this is aside really from all the media that's there but it's just there's so many you know people writing the way they write every day speaking the way they speak every day which... Exactly. I mean, if, if you've got a textbook, you've got this textbook that's perhaps just ever so slightly outdated, maybe using more formal language, and you've got social media as an example of really colloquial, up-to-date, current language usage. Mm-hmm. Are you, who are you learning to speak with? Are you learning to speak with Moliere or are you learning to speak with Molly, the pretty French girl that lives next door? You know? For sure. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's a super point, and, and I think Certainly, I can relate to it now, having learned Spanish in Europe, where, mm. as you know, we, we tend to learn Iberian Spanish, Peninsular Spanish from mm-hmm. Spain. And even within the textbooks, it's a pretty dry version of that. You know, it's, it doesn't have much of the, the slang or anything like that in those textbooks. But coming then to Argentina, where I'm based now, I remember when I first arrived, you know, there was such a, a learning curve for me. Because mm. the way people speak here colloquially, 
even though it's the same language, is so different. And that's something that you can get from social media because that's the way people are going to write their tweets. That's the exactly. way people are going to post their Facebook posts or their videos. Yeah, and that, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned video because another thing that's really great about social media is the variety of content you have. You know, you have text, image, audio, video. It could be something live. It could be something scripted and kind of created into this kind of, uh, you know, perfect way that people want you to see it. So there's there's such a variety of, of resources as well. And also in terms of output, you know, that's your input side of things, things that other people create that you can then uh, read and write and sort of absorb the language. But you also have the chance to produce as well. You know, you can make your own content to share. You can write your own tweets in different languages. You can um, like record videos of yourself. For example, on Instagram, um, I host something for free called the Instagram Language Challenge. Anyone is welcome to join in anytime. Every month I share um, a new prompt list and then you can join in. You know, there's 28 days that we that we go for the month to give you a little bit of time if you miss a day or anything like that. So you've got some catch up time, um, apart from in February, of course. Um, <laughs> and then the idea is that you share either a photo or a video of you learning something new, practicing something that you've learned um, based on that prompt. So it's, it's quite a flexible challenge, but it just gives you a, a, a chance to express yourself and to use a little bit of new language every single day. Yeah, I really love that idea. And I think it's cool, you know, to be able to, to do that with other people doing it too, you know, to connect with people and, and you know, sometimes it's a nice reminder when, when you're self-studying that there's other people out there doing the same thing and, and they can support you too. Yeah, and that's that's really crucial. I think, um, you know, kind of that connectivity with other people, whether it's whether it's other learners, whether in fact going beyond that, whether it's other learners of the same language or of different languages, whether it's native speakers, whether it's tutors, there's so many different ways you can connect with different people by using social media for language learning. I think that's really great, like you say, to have that support, even if it's not, you know, even if you never talk to someone else, but you just know, oh, well, I know that that person doing the Instagram language challenge is learning Italian and maybe one day I'll watch their video and I'll have something to say and I'll be able to help them because I did a bit of Italian too a few years ago you know and even if you don't connect directly you you still feel like there's someone else doing this and going through the same thing that I am and making mistakes and making progress and it's really exciting. Yeah absolutely I I think it's really a huge resource uh, to have social media there to be able to connect with people whether it's actually reaching out and connecting with them or like you say just being able to see others' progress or sharing your progress for others to see. And it leads me on to, to one final topic that I'm interested in talking about, and that's, that's the idea of self-study, because I know that you've written a lot about this, Lindsay. I believe you have a course about self-study as well. And, mm. and I'm interested to get your thoughts on the idea of self-study versus guided learning. Mm. Who does self-study work for? And why is it something that's worth trying? Ooh, good question. I think that self-study can work for anyone if you allow it to. Um, and if you kind of allow yourself, you know, if, if it's something that you're new to, if you allow yourself enough time to, to kind of adjust to that and to, to learn about it and to figure out how it's going to work for you. Um, I mean, give you a bit of background on, on my story in that sense. Like I mentioned, it was school-based languages were school-based for me for a long time. Um, and then probably until I was about aged, oh, I would say 19 was the first time when I really started to learn kind of other languages independently. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I tell a lie. I tell a lie. I think when I was about 16, my mum for Christmas bought me a teach yourself Polish kit. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And again, it was that same mentality of, oh, well, I do French and Spanish, so this language can't be that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I kind of did three chapters on my own and then didn't do anything else because <laughs> I'd, I'd never done it on my own before. And all of a sudden there was no teacher telling me vocab test on Monday. So it, it just didn't work. Um, but then uh, what happened in terms of later on, about age 19, like I say, I rather than go to a kind of brick university that's the way I I choose to describe it (laughs) a sort of traditional setting I chose to study for my degree with the open university which if you don't know is um, is part-time distance learning basically so they do have a campus which now so happens to be in the same town I live which is quite (laughs) funny (laughs) because <laughs> I didn't live here when I started to study. Um, but they do have a campus where they have a lot of postgraduate students, but they have undergraduate students all over the country, if not the world, um, it's, you know, definitely within Europe. And it's quite exciting. You've got you've got other people studying with you at the same time, but they're all over the place. So you are pretty much on your own. I mean, you meet your tutor in person like three times a year. You have online sessions maybe once a month um, with, with them and with the other with the other students. You've got an online forum where you connect. So there is that connection there, but you're in charge at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got your calendar of when your exams are due, when your assessments are due, but it's you that's in charge. And I think that that really gave me a good grounding in terms, it was it was kind of a nice transition um, to then now what I do, which is just learn completely on my own. You know, I might have a, a tutor on Italki once in a while, but it's it's me, pretty much. That's it. Um, mm-hmm. So it was this kind of middle ground that I had for six years. I was studying with them, and you know, there were points where I was studying like. I think four languages at once because mm-hmm. I had two languages wow. with the Open University and then two that I sort of picked up on my own just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, no, this is crazy. I need to focus on the ones I actually have like assignments in. Um, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think having that transition was really fun for me. Yeah. But when you, when you then begin to, to learn on your own. So, so I, like, I, like I say, I had that transition, which meant that I was able to figure things out with a bit of support as well. But I can see that this is quite a scary thing if you're thinking, oh, well, I haven't learned a language since school and I didn't do too well then. Mm. So I'm probably not. It's probably not my thing. I haven't got the genes. I just I won't bother. And that's so common. I hear that all the time. And I'm like, no, no, you can do this. You know, there's so much Mm. has probably changed since you're at school. Now we've got apps, we've got the Internet, we've got all of this good stuff that you can take advantage of. Um, and I, I think that that is a real benefit that there is just a huge variety of, of tools and resources out there. You can be learning anywhere. You can you can learn a language absolutely anywhere, whether that's with a tool or not. You know, even if you're out on a walk on your own in the middle of the countryside, you could still be self-studying a language in your head. You know, you could be going over vocab. You could even take a notebook in your pocket if you really want to and sort of stand in the middle of a field and shout words out. I don't know. It's up to you. Um, but, yeah, I think it's something that everyone can take advantage of. But when you get started, perhaps things to consider would be think about goals, mm-hmm. think about time management, and uh, and think about why you want to learn the language. Really establish that. Really establish the, the, the reason behind wanting to learn it. And also if you can find something you love, then look for it, you know, look for it. If you don't find something you love straight away, keep looking because it was that, that, that search 
for for that for that one thing you're really passionate about that will also help you because you'll be looking for something you'll be you know finding all these other things in the language mm. along the way so you know they're good places to start and they're also really transferable skills you know setting good goals and learning how to manage your time effectively that's something you can then use in your working life and in other areas of your life and just be much happier and much more successful in general as well so i think that's that's kind of uh, the benefits in a nutshell, I would say. <laughs> wow. Well, I would say in, in a very comprehensive way, I thought that was a, a really a comprehensive helpful nutshell. Yeah, exactly. A comprehensive nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> it covered everything, really, uh, because my next question was going to be about holding yourself accountable. But you, you kind of ticked that <laughs> off, too, the importance of, of goal setting and time management. And the way you linked it with, let's say, the things you already do in your work or skills that are transferable to your work, I thought was really interesting because in many ways, a lot of the skills that you need to to self-study are probably the same skills that you're already using in other areas of your life. You just haven't decided to apply them to language learning before. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it may be that you already have the skills you need to learn a language. You know, you may be really good at setting goals for work, at managing your time effectively. But when you think about language learning, you just think, oh, no, school, horrible textbooks. Ah, and you don't touch it. But then, you know, if you think, actually, all I need is good time management, some good goals, and then I need to work on finding something I enjoy in that language, then you're away and you can do it. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time today, Lindsay. Thank you for talking to me. It's been a really fascinating conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have too. Just briefly before we finish up, where can people find you online if they want to to follow you or read your material? Of course. Thank you for inviting me on, first of all. Um, You can read more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com. And if you're feeling kind of inspired in terms of goal setting and time management and everything like that, then the best place to go is lindsaydoeslanguages.com forward slash planner, where you'll be able to download every month, I release a free monthly language planner. So you'll be able to download that there. And it's always up to date at that link with the most recent month as well. So it's going to be nice and easy for people to get started making their their plans. New year, new language, eh? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. All right, well, thanks so much, Lindsay, and uh, I'll catch you soon. Thank you. See you later. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of the Lingua Materna podcast. Just a reminder that you can find out more about Lindsay and what she does by reading the show notes at www.linguamaterna.com forward slash Lindsay Does Languages. Happy language learning!